I think there are a, a fair number of people in my life and I mean our life who we don't know it, but just go like, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like we just, like, and it's not like, even that we're like clicky. We just we're just know. loud. We just we're loud. Like so obnoxious. <laughs> like yeah. we're ready to have a good time. So stupid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, Matt Pfeiffer, along with Colin Lerner and Joe Shell. And it has been, guys, an amazing week to be a Syracuse fan. We've got Bayheim's Army won the basketball tournament. They finally did it. Seven years of hard work. Uh, I know there was a joke online about Syracuse legend Kiefer Sykes <laughs> of, I believe, what, the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. <laughs> Uh, making the three-point shot to win. It's hard to get to the free throw line. Now this is a matchup Bryce has. Sides bucket. Got it! Bayhawks Army wins it! But he did, and Bayheim's Army gets a million dollars to take home. And what was a really exciting finish, guys. I mean, that Elon ending, they set 69 points, and they got a, a decent lead. And I was like, oh, this is good. And in true Syracuse fashion, they let Team 23 come back and take the lead. And there was a point where I'm like, well, so much for this. They only need to make a two. and uh, But they couldn't. They couldn't make the, the jump shot that they needed. And Syracuse got the three. After, by the way, Chris McCullough had that. I think it was McCullough had yeah. that three. Halfway that down. Somehow did not drop. I mean, the, the ball was like halfway in the net and bounced out. It was a good but, look, too. It was the right play. It was a good pass, good shot. But really great to see. I mean, I think it was really cool to see Eric Devendorf afterwards and just how much this meant to him. And it was probably his final time playing competitive basketball um, with anybody, really. Uh, he's several years out of playing in the pros. and this He was still like playing well, too. He hit, like, one or yeah. two, I mean, big shots. And at 34 years old, it's great to see Devendorf still hitting. Pesky defense. Shots. Yeah, he, he came in, you know, playing valuable minutes. It, you know, he didn't play a lot, but when he did, he, he brought, you know, sounds kind of cheesy, but he did bring that spark that the team really needed. And I remember when he was there, he always was a spark. I mean, you think about even the six-overtime game, how important. I mean, that shot that didn't count. Then, he hit right? the greatest shot that didn't count in Syracuse history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought it was interesting. There were some stories about this, about how Kevin Belby put together this new version of Bayheim's Army with Adam Weitzman, who is a – and this might be the most central New York um, like title I've ever heard of. Central New York scrap metal magnet and philanthropist <laughs> Adam nope. Weitzman awesome um who apparently does a lot of charity and philanthropy and that's awesome but uh he he said that uh it was Weitzman that wanted Jeremy Pope as the head coach it was Weitzman that wanted to help make sure they brought in some of these other guys Belby had brought up the idea of, of getting DJ Kennedy who ended up being really pivotal throughout this tournament run and then they also pursued Tyrese Rice and Kiefer Sykes to fill in this point guard role. And that Weitzman provided financial incentives and business mentoring. Some of these guys wanted to go into business, CJ Fair, one of them. And because it's a month off from your whole life. And, you know, if you have other work, that's kind of hard to do if you've got family and everything else. So, by the way, Kiefer Sykes has now been signed by the Indiana Pacers. So, really? congratulations to him. Yeah. 
<laughs> so get a shot, go to the NBA. Look at that. I mean, I could think of worse things in life. Ah, uh, yeah. But guys, I, I think it's just really good. You know, this is a we talked about how this first year of the podcast was just this awful Syracuse sports year, and now we get a championship. You know, it's in this summer tournament, but it was a lot of fun. It's something that you know we we've talked about you know, quite a bit. And it, it really did seem to mean a lot to the Syracuse community. It's the longest I've seen Jim Beheim smile ever. Yeah. Um, it, it may not have been quite as much fun for some of us as the past years when it was truly a Syracuse alumni team. The Syracuse guys weren't by any means the best players on this team, but they still were key cogs, key role players, you know, watching the, the finals, sure, DJ Kennedy, Kiefer Sykes, Tyrese Rice were mostly the, the best players throughout the game. In earlier rounds, uh, before he got hurt, uh, DeAndre Kane was one of the better players. But um, Tyler Lydon actually really impressed me. I mean, he was always, he was trying to play the five up against players that were much bigger and stronger and more skilled than him, which is something we've seen before. And he's hurt. Like, he, he needs hip surgery. He needs knee surgery. And Tyler Lydon's retiring from basketball now. That was his last game. He said, really? he, needs, he said he needs a couple surgeries, and he's just not feeling it. So he's just going to hang him up. Oh, so he was playing his last game. Yeah. So to see him hanging there tough, made a couple really nice cuts to the basket for some easy easy points, and he just made a couple headsy plays. CJ Fair came in and played CJ Fair basketball. Nothing flashy. He just made the right play at the right time. And it's really good to see CJ Fair out in the court again. I, he was always one of our favorites. And then Chris McCall, like I said last week, I think Chris McCall is going to get a job out of this too. If it's not um, an NBA opportunity, he'll play somewhere overseas. But I'll be shocked to not see him get, at least get a, a summer league look from this. So it's still, you know, predominantly a Syracuse team. If getting some guys from the outside is what it took to win the whole thing, then then fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I, it was it was it's fun. It's a a good break from from not not having Syracuse sports throughout the summer. It's a sure. little a little escape. Just to go on what Joe's point was about how critical the non-Syracuse people were. Kiefer Sykes obviously had the game winner. DeAndre Kane played the most minutes of in the first five games uh, for anybody on the team. DJ Kennedy had the most rebounds and Tyrese Rice led the team in scoring and in assists. So, I mean, they were incredibly important in the scheme of things. Yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to what we said a few weeks ago, where this team is probably less fun to watch, but it's probably better. Um, I think they clearly showed that. And I mean, listen, I mean, very much to Joe's point, I would rather see, like, I had more fun watching us win than I did watching us lose in the second round or the third round, right? Like, I would rather see us win than see us lose in the second round. Um, so, yeah, it was great. It was fantastic to see us actually win something. We haven't won something since, I think I would say, probably going back to the 10-win football season was the last time that I really was pumped up about a Syracuse team winning something big. So, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, it, it was great, a great escape. And, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic run. And point guard's always been a problem for Beheim's army throughout the whole seven years. And this isn't the first time they've sought non-alums to fill that point guard role. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. I mean, we've had good point guards over the years. It's just a lot of guys who either aren't really active in basketball anymore or 
Or they're in the NBA. Or yeah, or still playing. I mean, <laughs> or, or pro overseas. Yeah. But we just needed something more dynamic from the point guard spot that I don't think we really had within the alumni base. You know, Tyler Ennis was still playing in the NBA, playing overseas, and then he had a couple pretty gruesome injuries that he was working his way back from. Johnny Flynn's, I think, pretty much out of basketball. His hip was never really the same. There's not really a, a guy out there that that comes to mind for who could have filled that dynamic point guard role. So if you need Tyrese Rice and Kiefer Sykes to come in and, and play that role, then by all means, if it's what it takes to win. Yeah, I mean, probably since Ennis, we haven't had a point guard in that Chris Paul-esque role. The run every play through him. You know, we kind of have these combo one-two guards, which are great for the defense that we run, um, but it's not what they need in a tournament like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's fantastic to see Bayheim's Army win, and congratulations to them, and enjoy the million dollars. I think it's roughly an $80,000 payout yep. for each player. 80000 payout by Zell, as they must have said 19 times on the broadcast. <laughs> and just to close the um, uh, Tyler Ennis loop, the Kiefer Sykes shot gave me huge flashbacks to the Tyler Ennis uh, Notre Dame shot. It really did. They, they had very, very similar looks. Um, yeah, I, it really, really brought me back to probably the greatest shot that I saw happen. I think Ennis's shot was less contested. Sykes was, was you know, it wasn't wide open. Like, he, he created a little tiny bit of separation and let it, let it fire, but... It yeah, Ennis' was, was longer and farther, but was... But he was contested. open and had his yeah. momentum going towards the basket. Sykes had to kind of sidestep to create a little space and just let it fly. I think... I think the Kiefer Sykes play was probably a more difficult shot at face value. Probably. It was also probably a worse shot, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. it it went in great, but I was ready to shots. I was ready to shout, what yep. are you doing? Yep. I was, I was just gonna say, as as it's like in the air, it's one of those shots you're going, What are you? And then it goes in. Oh, fantastic. I feel Love like it. that's a great Syracuse tradition though, screaming at the TV, what are you doing? As the shot the, the horrible shot selection, but inevitably one of those magically goes in and you're like well, I'm glad that went in, but I'm still mad you took that yeah, shot yeah, yeah. or Holy something. Holy shirt like has to put that on an orange t shirt. What are you? Yes. <laughs> yes that would be one of the most accurate syracuse t-shirts ever produced and i would hope a lot of people would buy it I'd on buy it, but not from holy I, shirt i would not buy it from holy shirt. why not what do you what do you have a problem with holy shirt we have many many years of problems with uh holy shirt we uh it out there. It, yeah 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 it, we can talk about this off air we don't have to you know blow up holy shirt right now but <laughs> We know. Uh, well, we people. might get more viewers if we're blowing up people on the. We have we we have people who have worked at uh, Holy Shirt and have. No, you're um, thinking say, of Shirt World. That's Shirt World. Am I? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Holy I'm Shirt so is just like a screen printing t shirt company. Stuff. Yeah, they just oh, print t shirts. They're not the store. You just blowing Street. up the wrong person <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just blowing Yo, up Holy Shirt for no reason. We might want to go into advertising at one point. Don't be blowing up the wrong people uh, over here, Colin. Holy Shirt, please accept my deepest condolences and Shirt World, you suck. <laughs> yeah, so you Holy do. Shirt shop at is- Manny's. Don't shop at Shirt World. So holy shirt, if you want to like, you know, get a real endorsement, you know, and advertising, you know, come on with us and we'll like advertise. You could come on here and I'll give you a 60 second heartfelt apology and we'll explain why you're a better company than Shirt World is a store. That's amazing. 
Yeah. That's amazing. That's a good deal. Shirt World is not a great business deal. as much as, as it is a slow, long con. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in yet, but we, you know, we can put it on order for you. That's generally how Shirt World works. It's like a shanty. Yeah, yeah. And they own most of that block, too, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, now that we've pissed off enough people. Yeah. I did, didn't that guy actually play Syracuse football at one point? Who cares? Okay. Uh, so we do have to talk about <laughs> we do have to talk about a negative side of uh, Syracuse basketball, though, and that is Coach Q. Uh, coach Q uh, has resigned from the head coaching position of the women's program at Syracuse after 15 years. Uh, it was a mutual agreement, according to the athletic director John Wildhack. Another athletic article dropped, and now there's questions about how much people knew for a long time. Among the horrifying things that came out this time, Coach Q would not let um, uh, was it Troya Berry use her inhaler. She was diagnosed with asthma after coming to Syracuse. She said she would not play versus Pitt if she used her inhaler after they were doing sprints. Sure. And I mean, so, why do you need one of those for anyway? Yeah. Uh, it, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just it, it's crazy that you would prevent a player from, from using something that 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 is that necessary. A fellow player, Lene Lampkins, wrote a letter to the SU compliance officer that was sent anonymously through an email that her father set up. And uh, instead, Coach Q came out and you know said there's a, a rat in the room and this whole thing when he heard about it, um, not knowing who it was, but you know was just kind of calling out the whole thing. A player who left in 09 said in an exit interview that Hillsman had tried to um, – uh, control the lives of players uh, by belittling other players, uh, in, you know, belittling players to other players, driving past their apartments to make sure that they weren't going out and socializing. Daryl Gross was made aware of problems. So this goes back a ways. Uh, as a senior women's administrator, watched him give a profanity-laced tirade on the plane uh, there's, uh, there's some worse stuff too. I mean, I mean, I don't know if anything's worse than the inhaler thing. No, I mean, some, of, of some, this something that, stuff. that stuck out to me was with Daryl gross. What I believe uh, it was Lene Lampkin's father went yeah. to him to have a meeting and complained about the atmosphere, the culture of the program. And Daryl gross basically said, well, we're happy with the results. The coaching staff is getting right now. So they've, yeah weren't even hiding the fact that they were putting on court success over other more important matters. And for the record, that's after Lene Lampkins complained that she was getting a a text from Daryl from, um, from coach Q that said, I love you. I miss you. And I can't wait to see you, which is a pretty inappropriate text. Was not Anyone else on the team was only sent to her. No other teammates. And, uh, and so her father rightfully complained. Rather, oh, yeah. that's very, very inappropriate. And, and, and that, but that thing about Daryl Gross, I mean, really, I mean, it, well, I'm not it, surprised at all, but at the same time, it's still troubling. I'm not surprised, but I think it stings more because that is literally like, should be the foundational promise that you make to a parent when you're doing the stops at their house, right? You say, I will take care of your son or daughter. I will watch over them. I'll make sure they don't get hurt. I'll treat them right. I am essentially becoming their new parent as they leave, you know, their house. 
And yeah. that is the promise you make to every parent as you are on the uh, recruiting trail. And to then break that in such a foundational way where her father then has to go and complain and say, essentially, like, you're not doing what you promised you were going to do. And then to have it blown off, that, I think, is just so much worse than anything else that I've heard. I agree with you guys. Yeah. Being a sports fan is one thing, but as alums of the institution itself, you would like to think that the people running the institution are not morally bankrupt. And the more things like this happen, it just comes out like a lot of people are just bad people and they, you know, prioritize sports success for their, you know, in their job over people. And they don't care about the people. I mean, how many people have said, I mean, winning cures everything, right? Nothing matters if you're winning. And it's sadly true. Again, I, I, I but it really doesn't cure get... everything. Well, it doesn't cure everything because since those things happened, they got to the final four and things still, you know, got worse. Half the team still said, screw this at the end of the year and left. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't actually fix things. This is what you like to tell yourself. Yeah. That it actually does fix things. Yeah. Well, to add to all of this, uh, Von Reed, who has been the associate head coach, since 2011-2012 season. So he's been there for the last decade, is now the acting basketball coach, and they're saying how great this is. This man had to be aware. I'm sorry, he had to be aware what was going on. So we're not solving the problem. Now we're going to keep somebody who was involved. Who was there. Who was there every day, saw every single thing. I just don't understand that. I don't know how you can keep that guy on. Now, maybe we're maybe we're missing something of this story. No, I don't think we but... are. I think it is essentially the worst possible hire you could have made short of like, oh, we'll hire back Coach Q in one year after he goes to you know, rehab or something. Like it's that. an attempt at continuity in a situation where continuity is the last thing that you actually want. It's an attempt to do exactly what we were just saying, to say, oh, okay, yep, sorry, but... We want to win, and we like the results this program is getting. So, but the results recently haven't been that great. Even uh, they were pretty damn good recently in the past. I five mean, this years. past year was they, under, they underperformed for sure for that roster. But maybe now we know why. Maybe yeah, it was because, a toxic culture everyone, of a yeah, program. Everyone hated what they were doing. Yeah, giving. I know it's interim. They slapped the interim tag on him, but right now it sounds like he is running the program for this season, which blows my mind and this is what i was mentioning to you guys earlier but there's a hire out there to be made that Mm. checks so many boxes for what this program needs right now felicia leggett jack is a former syracuse women's basketball player who has had success as a division one head coach of a women's program she's currently at the university of buffalo she's very popular there she has already gone on the record as saying she is very interested in this job so you have the opportunity to hire an African-American woman who has been part of this program who wants to help fix it. And you're going to give it to a dude who watched Coach Q harass women for 12 years? Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely inexcusable. It is important. It is the worst possible choice you could make. I'm telling you, short of rehiring Coach Q, it essentially can't get any worse. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed in the university on so many fronts on this story. And I wish that I believe that this was the last thing we're going to hear from this, but I tend to think that there is going to just be more trickling out about this. And there has to be a question about whether more heads are going to roll in the athletic department and whether more heads need to roll. 
there's got to be the question about how much John Wildhack knew and how long. Uh, how many athletic and, directors do we have to go through until we get one who seems to have like an actual moral compass and a spine? I just, I, uh, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm curious. I, I don't know because I think you're dealing with a, a, a business where the moral compass thing, uh, I don't know how many, I mean, I don't want to like, you know, you can't paint all these people with a broad brush, but I mean, how many athletic directors have we seen look the other way at this crap? And let's be honest, winning at Syracuse isn't easy. It's more of an uphill battle than it is at a lot of places. You know, it goes for football and basketball. And so I think you're seeing people sacrificing things that they think are worth sacrificing to be able to win at a school that isn't a traditionally easy place to, to maintain that level of success. And I, I think that's disappointing. You're better off being mediocre at, at sports than having a morally bankrupt institution. It's weird because I feel like Syracuse has one of the hungriest fan bases to win, but somehow is also one of the hardest places to win at. It seems like the two things don't like compute, and I really don't understand why it's the case, but it does seem to be that way. I think geography plays some of it. Yeah, it's climate, yeah, weather. Geography, sure, yeah. climate, weather, location, I think play some of the role. And recent history in the case of football plays another role. Um, basketball, at least you have the overall history that is just, uh, you know, up until even recently is still re- strong enough. I mean, you're still making deep tournament runs that – you know, you can still recruit in terms of men's and, and women's basketball. You know, I mean, we, we've seen these problems, you know, recently here, and, and it's certainly going to set that program back. But, but you know you can win, and I think in women's basketball here, the women's basketball recruiting has been quite strong, and I think if you get a good coach, like this coach from Buffalo, she can recruit well. She obviously knows how to recruit the uh, New York, New England – you know, the upper Midwest and whatnot. If you're recruiting at Buffalo, that's kind of where a lot of your recruiting is going to happen. And that's where a lot of good basketball is anyway. So I, I think she'd be a great pick and, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, it would be, it would be nice. It would be nice to see them make a, a good decision here at some point. It just feels like we as a university always take one step forward and two steps back. Always like, I, again, yeah, I mean, the timing is not the same, but we're coming off such a huge high of winning this TBT. Again, it's a small thing. We actually finally won something, right? Where, you know, quarterback battles looking good in football. Things are starting to look actually decent, starting to feel good about the program in the summer, and then this happens, of course. And it just seems like we always find a way to shoot ourselves in the foot. It's really uh, quite frustrating. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's I think it's completely frustrating. But let's let's focus on some good things, though. Because Syracuse University has really made itself known in, in as the BBC would say it, world sport. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, Syracuse University currently has three medals in the Olympics and is guaranteed four because Jeremy Grant's on the men's basketball team. They are in the gold medal game, so it's just a matter of which color the medal's going to be. Syracuse is going to have at least four medals which means Syracuse will have as many medals as Slovenia, Venezuela, Portugal, and Colombia, among others. And they're currently tied with Greece, South Africa, Slovakia, Uganda, Israel, the Philippines, Ireland, Mexico. 
Azerbaijan, Egypt, Ethiopia with three medals. They're going to be ahead of a lot of those um, based on the basketball result. And they could get as many as five because Justin Knight is running in the 5,000-meter final on Friday. So Syracuse could get to five medals at the Olympic Games, which is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's dope. I mean, again, we are a premier school in a lot of other things that a lot of people don't know. And it's nice to see um, them being highlighted. Yeah. Really, it's great. Again, like um, we talked about uh, Katie Zabronis, right? Katie? Is that her name? Zafaris. Zafaris. Katie Zafaris. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, somebody who I had never even heard of. And I was so drawn in to the two hours of uh, triathlon that I was watching yeah. just because of that. So it's it's it goes back to what you said last week, Matt. It's I don't understand why the university is not highlighting this more, why we haven't heard more things from them about look how great you know, our athletes are doing. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's, it's great to see a lot of the sports or athletes that are not on the main stage getting recognized. Well, another one, not in the Olympics, got recognized. If you're a U.S. men's national team soccer fan, Miles Robinson, who is a 2000 Syrac- uh, 2016 Syracuse University alum, played soccer at Syracuse, made the winning goal for the United States to win the CONCACAF Gold Cup over Mexico, 1-0 in the 117th minute. 117th minute, Acosta hooks it into the traffic of free incredible moment and miles robinson suddenly became the most famous soccer player in america for at least a day because he i mean that's a huge win i'm not a big soccer guy but i know to beat mexico is not a joke mexico is a good soccer team and you have to keep in mind a lot of these countries aren't playing their a list rosters in this tournament um, still a big moment for Miles Robinson. He also just got named an MLS All-Star, so he's no scrub by any means. Um, and he is, I've been reading, he's putting himself on the map for a spot on the national team when they start playing World Cup qualifiers, which is when you do have your A-team. So he's he's in the running to be on the top-tier men's national team when they are trying to make the next World Cup. That's absolutely amazing, and I think it's great for the university, and congratulations to him. I mean, it's just it's great to see all these people making themselves known in, in a lot of sports, not the big ones that we hear about, kind of like Colin said, and uh, it, it's really good news. We have long promised to talk about baseball for about a month and a half, and I know Brett is not with us, In fact, I believe at least one time we didn't talk about baseball when we had Brett because we said we wanted Joe. Now we have Joe and we don't have Brett. So here's how this goes. We've promised baseball so much it's going to happen. If Brett has a problem with what he says, he can drop a mini pod in the next week and give his take on the second half of the season. So, guys, let's take a look. Let's talk about where baseball is right now. We've got two months to go until the playoffs start. And uh, you've got the NL West is just absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of the NL, the top three in the NL West and everybody else. The NL West is as good as the NL East is bad. Uh, yeah. Yes, that is correct. It's funny uh, because the I, I just checked the Mets are winning the NL East by one and a half games, but they are 
eight and a half games out of the wild card, which right just now, goes to show how good the NL West is. If you yeah. ask the casual baseball fan, what kind of season are the Yankees having? What kind of season are the Mets would having? Most people would say, oh, the Yankees suck this year, but the Mets are pretty good. The Yankees have a better record than the Mets. Yeah. yeah. The Mets are solidly, yeah. The Mets are, compared to what we've recently dealt with, this is pretty good. Like, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, and we'll take it because we've certainly had worse. But, uh, you know, I mean, they've lost a series to the Marlins, which you can't do now. And, you know, as of today, and the Mets are starting to lose games that in the first half of the season they were winning. And uh, you just start to wonder if the wheels are starting to slowly come off. I think the Mets should be very worried for two reasons. One, you just lost a series to the Marlins. Yep. Two, that series took place in Miami. The Yankees just left Miami. A couple days after leaving Miami, a bunch of their players are going on the COVID list. Yeah, I, so, I mean, and and then on top of that, there's the questions about Jacob deGrom, which, you know, his, uh, you know, his return has been delayed. You wonder just at what point, they're going to shut him down. And you uh, thought Syndergaard was going to contribute this yeah. year, and he's no. still MIA. He's out. He's going to the year. They were saying, oh, yeah, of course. Bullpens in February. And it they was said like, Carlos oh, Carrasco is going to be back year. by May. Bro, come yeah. on. They have well, no what's idea. he doing now, though? He looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah he it just they, started throwing 50 pitches a game because he tore his hands. They still got to stretch him out, but he is contributing good innings at the major league level, which is more than Syndergaard can say. Listen, all you need to know about the Mets, and we can cut it here and talk about other teams, what I need to know about the Mets is that their number four starter got hurt walking to the dugout. He broke his foot walking. He was walking from the field to the dugout and broke his foot. Can we that's talk it, about Francisco Lindor for a minute? You want to talk yeah, about Francisco Lindor? Well, I mean, he's not performing the no, way we he's needed getting, him he's to. He's getting paid a lot of money, and he is not hitting. No. He's getting yeah, paid no, I like Javi Baez, though. I mean, I think he's going to be a good little shot in the arm for the offense. And Alonzo's coming alive. Today. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there are things coming alive. You know, Nimmo's come back and, and been a decent, you know. Conforto is not the back. player you thought Conforto was going to be? He's batting at 195, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's all yeah, going I think down. you're still paying Robinson Cano money. I we're still paying Bobby Bonilla money, but yeah. we are still play- we're paying Robinson Cano a lot of money. But, but I mean, the Mets, I mean, the Mets may end up in the playoffs as the NL East champs, but, you know, you just don't know. I mean, would they go that far at all? I mean, at, right now in the NL, it's, you got to go through the Giants, the Dodgers, and the Padres. And frankly, I mean, you could have an all NL West and NL the, title the series. The Giants may be in first place, but holy crap, the moves the Dodgers made at the deadline. I like the Dodgers better. Yeah, than the you Giants. know, it, it, all, I, it always boils down to pitching once you hit crunch time in the playoffs. And the Giants have overachieved this year. They have a, a really nice team, and they just added Chris Bryant, who's a good player. You look at their pitching. Kevin Gaussman is having the season of his life at the age of 30. Maybe he would perform well in the playoffs, but he's not a guy that you go in game one of a playoff series. You're like, yes, Gaussman's on the mound today. We got this. He's not not that guy. Uh, Anthony DeSclafani is having a great year for the Giants. 
he's not a guy you go into a, the second game of a playoff series and you say, yes, Disclafani's on the mound. Like, we're good. The Dodgers have three guys who could start game one, and Dodgers fans are like, I feel pretty good about this. They have Walker yeah. Bueller, who could be the Cy Young this year, if DeGrom's going to be out this long. Then you have Max Scherzer, who, you know, as, as taking the Nats as my second team, I've gone into many a playoff game with Max Scherzer on the mound saying, we got mm-hmm. this, we're good. And then you have Kershaw, who, you know, he's on the IL right now, but he's coming back. You have Clayton Kershaw pitching the third game of a playoff series. and It's over. Yeah. The, and the Dodgers, you know, they have a lot of guys who are hitting real well this year. And one of them who's not hitting real well is the guy who they thought was going to be their best player in Bellinger. Bellinger's having a bad year. Mookie Betts is having a kind of a down year. But Bellinger's trash. He is hot trash. I don't know what happened to him. But you have guys like Chris Taylor and Max Muncy who are stepping up and having great years. The, the Dodgers just have so many pieces that you can have two former MVPs having down years and you still have a crazy good offense. But three yeah. pseudo aces on one staff going into, into the playoffs. I mean, you lost Trevor Bauer for being a dirtbag and your rotation got better a week later. It's insane. I'd feel better going into a playoff game with Scherzer on the mound than Trevor Bauer. I feel better with Trevor Bauer just not on my team, even if <laughs> I was the, the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like, I don't care who I am. We can um, go back a few months and find some old audio of me trying to tell you guys that Trevor Bauer should sign with the Mets and that you would be happy about it. And, and, and what did I say? You said he I didn't want him. I didn't want him. He's a dirtbag. Exactly. Yeah, because I knew he was a douchebag. Um, well, I don't think we he, had any idea how much of a dirtbag he was at that point in time. He is almost as much of a dirtbag as Matt is a douchebag right now. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds that sounds really mean because nobody else knows what I'm looking at. But if you knew, then you would know. We'll have to we'll have to post the photo on the yeah. Twitter. Yeah. If you I have a I'm I'm hosting a nineties party tomorrow and I am wearing my nineties party regalia right now. Um because I wanted to show them because Colin was gonna come and now he can't come to the party. So I'm showing him what he's gonna miss, which is me in a Michael Jordan Toon Squad jersey, a Puka Shell necklace, and a flat brimmed dream team hat. Um and that's my nineties garb. My nineties. I mean, I guess the only other thing I need is the baggy cargo shorts. And then I would completely have the nineties look down. And, uh, and this is where Colin is getting this. So, uh, to get back on track, are we, are we all in agreement? We kind of see the Dodgers, uh, winning the NL pennant this year. Is that, that would be my uh, take. Yeah. I mean, sure. do we want to take our takes out of each division? Like, and then go from there? I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, I Let's mean, okay. Um, I somehow think the Mets are still going to pull off the NL East just because the NL East is so freaking awful and they're the least awful of the team. So I think the Mets will get out of the NL East. Um, I like the Brewers in the NL Central. I think the Dodgers are going to win the NL West, and then I think the Dodgers will win the NL pennant. Yeah. So. All right. Um, I similarly will take the, the Mets um, – I just don't think that any of the teams in the NL East are actually good enough to put a run together. I think the Mets will hold on to it. Uh, in the Central, I actually like the Reds to come back over the Brewers. I know they're seven and a half out, but the Reds have a, I mean, unbelievable lineup when they're actually all healthy. Castellanos is playing like an MVP candidate that I never thought he was going to be. Um, so if they keep their guys healthy, I like the Reds to catch the Brewers. And I'll go with you guys and the Dodgers, and I'll 
it's it's hard to pick against them. It really is. Um, so yeah, I mean, I gotta go Dodgers for the pennant. All right, and Joe, who do you have as your division winners? You know, sorry guys, give me the Phillies for the NL East. Um, okay, I think. That's fine. It's probably the think, smarter pick, honestly. I think with who's currently healthy and not healthy, I think the Phillies probably have a little more pitching right now. Nola's been up and down, but if the Mets don't have DeGrom and the Phillies have Nola, I kind of like that staff a little better. Um, and Bryce Harper is very quietly and under the radar having an amazing season. Bryce Harper is like actually playing up to his contract right now, and nobody is talking about it. Um, and I love Bryce Harper. He's always been one of my one of my favorite baseball players. I think he's fun to watch. So give me the Phillies. And honestly, I'm with you. It's kind of a toss up. I don't know. And if the Braves were totally healthy, I might pick them. But they're yeah. down their best player, and half their roster has been decimated by injury. So yeah. I'm I'm leaning Phillies right now. Um, in the Central, I think I I'm going to stick with the Brewers. I think they're going to hold it down there. Um, but yeah, you got a couple guys in Cincinnati who are really carrying that team. Castellanos is good. Um, Jesse Winker's having a good season. And then, you know, obviously Joey Votto's still there. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked to, to see what Colin said turn out. But I think the Brewers are going to hold on to that one. I'm not going to be surprised to see the Giants hold on to the NL West. So I, I, I if, if I'm putting my name on it right now, I'm going to say that the Giants still win the NL West. Um, cause like I said, they also made some good moves at deadline and their pitchers are doing really, really well in the regular season here. But when it comes to the playoffs, the Dodgers have so much pitching that sure, if you get stuck in the wild card game, they'll, they're probably going to host it. And then you can put Walker Bueller to start the wild card game. Most teams would be like, Oh, we burned our ACE. Now we're like behind to start the division series. But not if you're the Dodgers. You can start Max Scherzer in the wild card game, and then you have Walker Buehler to start the next series, or vice versa. And you have you still have an ace left over to start your next series, and then you're good. Um, right. So I don't think the Dodgers would be at too much of a disadvantage if they end up having to host the wild card round. So uh, give me the the Giants to win the division, but the Dodgers to have a more successful postseason run. Scherzer is also one of the more durable aces out there. So really, I, yeah, he's always there, right? Yeah, I have I have no qualms about him actually being available and ready to go and to pitch seven eight innings during the playoffs. And during Unlike, their, the Nats World Series run, Scherzer had that like neck spasm thing he was dealing with, and he like missed a start, but still came back the next day and pitched yeah. pretty well. So let's switch over to the American League. So the AL East is you know kind of the Rays and the Red Sox, and then everybody else. You've got the White Sox way out front of the AL Central. And then I know everybody's favorite team, the Houston Astros, in control of the AL West with the A's following up about four and a half games back right now. So we look at this. uh, I don't know if there's really any surprises in here. I mean, I know there were some people that have been disappointed in the Yankees this year. Uh, for sure. Joe, you're a Yankees fan, so I'll kind of – and I know we've got some Yankees fans uh, certainly listening to this because we're Syracuse podcast. Yeah, the, so I'll let you talk Yankees a bit. The Yankees have played a very uh, interesting brand of baseball this year that I like to call difficult to watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I've watched that much. before. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun. It, it has not been fun. Um, it's It's been frustrating because – 
they've never really been that bad. Mm-hmm. They've always been above 500. They've always kind of been in contention for a playoff spot. But even when they were winning, it was so hard to watch. It was not fun baseball. They've made some great moves at the deadline, and they are actually playing solid baseball right now. They're pitching. They're hitting. They're got, they got more athletic in the field. They got more athletic base runners. Um, getting Joey Gallo was a huge upgrade for reasons that a lot of casual baseball fans don't even understand. Sure, he's a strikeout walk home run guy. And at face value, you're like, that's all the Yankees have. That's not what they needed. He plays gold glove defense. He's an above average base runner. And he's fast. He's athletic. It's what the Yankees needed. He's left-handed. So now he's going to play half the rest of his season left-handed in Yankee Stadium. The dude could bunt a home run out of right field. <laughs> and right. that was the move Yankees fans were clamoring for, and they got it. But the most impactful move they've made so far was for Anthony Rizzo, who has basically carried the team since he's come, come to join along. He also plays gold glove defense at first base. He's another lefty bat. Just another instance of the team getting uh, more athletic, better defense. Uh, uh, Rizzo's been playing his butt off since he joined. So they they made the right moves. Um, you don't want to put too much stock on a guy coming from coming back from Tommy John surgery to contribute too much. Um, after I just harped on Syndergaard potentially coming back <laughs> and contributing. But Luis Severino's coming back from injury. Um, you can't count on him to be like your ace like you might have in years past, but he could contribute. He should be back soon. You got Corey Kluber coming back who had just thrown a no-hitter before he went on the injured list. So there's pieces coming back to solidify the pitching staff. Garrett Cole uh, has COVID right now, so assuming he's okay from that. Things are looking up. The Yankees are winning. And, Matt, I know you said it's the Red Sox and the Rays and everyone else. The Red Sox and the Rays have been losing to bad teams lately, and they're kind of faltering. And the Yankees are slowly crawling back into this. If you had asked me five days ago, did the Yankees have any chance to win the AL East, I would have said, no, they'll be lucky to make the wild card. Right now, I'll give them like a 30 or 40% chance to get back in this division race because they're playing good baseball and the teams ahead of them are losing and they're creeping back into it. Um, They're only six games out right now. Um, no, right now, if I'm going to put my name on it, um, give me, give me Tampa to hold the division. That's what I would do. But Tampa, (laughs) Tampa's going to do that thing where they're going to win the division, but their roster, I just don't think is built for the postseason. It wasn't built for the postseason last year and they still made a good run to the world series, but I don't think that can happen again this year with the pieces they, they got rid of. It's just too many variables. They don't really have a starting pitcher at all. And they kind of just piece things together. You can't do that. So yeah, yeah I would the... take the Rays out of the absolutely. East. Yeah, but I I still think the Yankees will make the wild card. I wouldn't be surprised if they catch up to Boston and put themselves in a position to host the wild card. But just like the NL West, I would not be shocked to see three playoff teams come out of the AL East. But the problem is the Yankees don't have a ton of depth in their starting rotation. So if they do have to play a wild card game and you burn Garrett Cole, you're you're at a you're at, you know you're behind starting the next series because you don't have a guy of that caliber to start the first game of that next series. You also can't afford any injuries. You can't afford a single injury. So so let's look at some of the other divisions here. I mean, anybody got any thoughts? I, if we had Brett here, I'm sure he would have plenty to say about the AL Central. Mm, White Sox are running away with it, and they've yeah. gotten better at the deadline. They have the best bullpen in the league. 
Yeah. And then we've got in the West, like I said, uh, I know everybody's <laughs> for obvious reasons, people are not happy with what that division looks like with Houston on top, but um, A's are only four and a half back, but I, I just don't see anybody else. Okay. I, 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 I think it's going to be the White Sox in the Central and then the, uh, the Astros in the West, but go ahead, Colin. So I have one question. I really don't watch AL baseball, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to try and pretend like I know what's going on. But my question is, how are the Angels this bad? Correct me if I'm wrong, but they have two of the top three players in baseball. They probably How? have they probably have the two most talented baseball players alive. One of them being arguably the most Greatest. talented baseball player who's ever lived, and that is not Mike Trout. How um, how how have they been this garbage for this long? I Trout has been injured since June, May, June, and what I heard is that they're. Was it? Is it their bullpen? No, it's it, everything. They, they don't. Hitting. They don't have a starting pitcher besides Otani. That's the problem. Yeah. Um. They're yeah. You know, when Trout's healthy, they have a dynamic offense, especially since they added Rendon last year. It's yeah. It's a good lineup, and, and Rendon is there. So great. They have three of the top ten players in baseball, and, and they, they just, are awful. I so mean, they have no they pitching. Their their best starting pitcher after Otani was probably Andrew Heaney. And they just traded him to the Yankees, and he uh, th- gave up four home runs in four innings two days ago. So they they just they never put a full roster together, and I don't. It's because they have so much money tied up in the stars, they don't really put the rest of the roster together. And I I don't see Trout or Otani going anywhere. So they need to build around these guys, otherwise you're going to see multiple generational talents just kind of wither away and never play in the playoffs. That's what I'm saying. It seems like such an unbelievable organization and, and Major League Baseball failure that I, as a casual American League fan, have never seen Mike Trout play in a playoff game. Never. I, yeah. I th- it is a, a failure on epic levels. It, for the I mean, Angels, it's the always conversation. pitching. It's always pitching. It, I mean, this was the conversation I was having with Brett a couple of weeks ago about the fact that the best, one of the best players of all time, uh, or certainly of this generation, is almost unrecognizable to a decent part of the fan base. Part of that's also because uh, I mean, Trout is just a quiet guy who kind of doesn't which, doesn't do yeah. advertisements, doesn't put himself out there. He's just a quiet guy who puts his head down and plays baseball yeah. better than almost anyone ever has. And to give Brett credit, he did mention that. Yeah, but um, I think Otani is is the more interesting story at this point. Is he as good yeah. of an offensive player as Mike Trout? No, but he's still one of the 10, 15 best hitters in the league, and he's one of the 10, 15 best pitchers in the league. His numbers don't always look like that because he splits time. He doesn't quite pitch as often, doesn't, not always in the lineup every day, but to see someone do what he does at that level on both sides of the ball is something that, we have literally never seen. The last time someone pitched and hit like that was when Babe Ruth was playing against a bunch of farmers. Yeah, And Otani's numbers wild. are arguably better than Babe Ruth's were. Yeah, in the context of, of you know, the time, of the era. And just if now that you can look at metrics and if you look at Otani's peripherals, he just hits the ball so friggin' hard and he pitches so fast. Just, there's so many numbers you can look at now and be like, holy crap, how does this guy do that? Yeah. 
Well, let's uh, just kind of go through our, our picks. Um, so, uh, again, my, my picks by division, Rays, White Sox, Astros. Um, I'm going to go with the White Sox going through. Give me the White Sox to the World Series. Joe? Um, okay, so I said Rays, White Sox, Astros with give me a wild card game of the Yankees and the Red Sox because I think that'd be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take the Yankees to, to move on from that, but I hate to say it, but this Astros team just seems destined for the world series and it drives me crazy. I hope, you know, the white Sox could be better at this point and they could also do it, but I just see this Astros team going on an FU tour against all the other baseball fans and just making it to the world series. This is what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be Rays, White Sox. I think the Athletics are going to overtake the Astros for the West, but I think the Astros will then win the wild card game and make it to the World Series anyway. So who's in, who's in your wild card game? Uh, Houston and probably the Yankees, honestly. Probably Houston and the Yankees. And then you I think, think Boston falls out of the playoff spot entirely? Yeah, I do. I really yeah. do. They don't have a ton of pitching, so it could happen. They're another team that's banking on an ace to come back from Tommy John surgery. But I don't know hey, what Chris Sale can do when he comes back. I just I just don't see it happening, personally. But I think that just to give a giant middle finger to everybody, the A's will lose the division. Um, not the A's. The uh, Astros will lose the division and then still make it to the World Series. All right. This is the part where just for the fun of it, you know, we've, we've done our picks kind of the world series. All right. If you wanted to do pick your world series winner right now, and obviously a lot can change before this, but who would you pick? I'd pick the Dodgers to win the whole thing again. Oh my God. I can't believe that I backed myself into the corner of having to pick either either (laughs) the the Dodgers or the Astros. Oh my Lord. (laughs) God. How did this, how did did it come to this guys? Um, (laughs) Yeah, listen, I, I, I can't in all good conscience pick the Astros, um, so I'll take the Dodgers uh, progressively. I think Joe. I think the state of Florida might bring down Major League Baseball back into a the, another low point of this awful pandemic. But if that doesn't happen, then I know it's really hard to repeat and no one really does it anymore, but I just can't bet against that Dodgers rotation. I think the Dodgers will repeat. There you go. Wow. A clean sweep, Dodgers. There you go. Pressure's on. Three idiots and a lawyer. Three of us have picked you to win the World Series. So, show's on you. Uh, So, uh, I do want to ask you guys, though, before we go, uh, because there's a lot of Twitter has been blowing up about this Field of Dreams game that's happening in two weeks. It's the Yankees and the White Sox. They're pulling the old, like, 1920s uniforms off the Which look great. They look great. Oh, I love I love those old White Sox uniforms. They should absolutely do that more times. But um, I, I have to ask, uh, you know, a lot of people are upset because you see, like, the price is absurd. It's like $200 a ticket, and it's a limited, I believe, to two tickets a person, which I – I'll be honest. Some people were attacking that. I get why it's a limit to two tickets a person. It's a small stadium. What? Wait. What are people upset about? What are are, are people under the people? Well, people well, are upset okay, because they're great, like, to go people... see this game, it would be $400 to take my dad to see this game in the cornfield. It's like, yeah, it's a special event. Well, That's kind of how this Yeah, goes. because you and 
50,000 other people also have the exact same thought. Are people are, you know, under some assumption that this is not just a complete money grab? Of course this is. So, what do you, well, what here's, do you think here's the is? thing. It's it's baseball being like, tone deaf again. You're going to, like, walk into the field. But okay, I'm going to pay 10 cents and go watch this special game. No, but, but baseball already has an issue with being unapproachable and distant for a lot of people and expensive, and they're losing a lot of fans. And now you're just creating this event not to mention that it's with two teams that are currently trying to make the playoffs playing really important baseball games. You're going to make them play in a cornfield now with these games really matter and are really important. <laughs> but then pretty good point, I'm, I'm sound. I'm hearing the sound from Joe that he is not liking that the Yankees have to do this. I like the concept, but do it in May. I don't know. Like don't do it in, in August when it's like, <laughs> don't do it when it's a month when you're actually like looking at the standings and you're counting games like holy jeez you're gonna say oh it's four hundred dollars just to get in the friggin gate it's like kevin costner wasn't charging that much when all those cars lined up outside his farm so you have to do it i mean when all the ghosts were lined up baseball baseball just has an issue it needs to be more approachable more attainable for more people for the masses and they're just not doing that they don't need it's another special, special they don't need another special event. They need something to draw in more fans who aren't gonna pay that amount of money. They need they should have a special event where it's five dollars and anyone can friggin' go. Just they need to get people interested in baseball again. And I don't think this moves the needle at all. You know what? Just because Joe was asking for another special event, I want like a August back to school kids only Yankees while they're in the midst of like a division race no, playing no. at some little league field. Yes. They would New hit Jersey a thousand home runs and win the game. Against, Please do that. Against like the Sox and, and uh, either of the Sox teams. And, and Joe has to sit there and say, oh, my God, they're in the middle of a division race no, and they're playing that would behind be o- an elementary school. That would be okay with me because Aaron Judge would hit the baseball out of their boonie-ass town, so I'd be perfectly okay with that. No, there is a way to get people interested in baseball. It's to hire one of the marketing execs from a minor league team. Go hire the guy who does the Syracuse Chief Dollar Hot Dog Night, right? I've never been more excited to watch a baseball game of players I didn't know than on Dollar Hot Dog Night. I could sit in left field, have nine hot dogs, 32 beers, and yell at the left fielder, and it was wonderful. And this is what baseball needs to get people more interested. Have more of these fun events. Have more, I I don't know, man, sea creature races. Have more condiment races have i don't know man have these fun things all right you heard yeah. it here first more hot dogs what the people want <laughs> tell me Can that you... more hot dogs would not get people inv- invested in games i don't know if we need more hot dogs but certainly it doesn't help that <laughs> one hot dog costs 15 dollars. I, I understand your point hey i know a friend who had a great time at a tulsa drillers game minor league team in tulsa it was two dollar night Everything's two dollars. Uh, it was two dollar tickets, two dollar hot dogs, two dollar beers, and then they after that went to a bar and got drunk with former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter, hmm. which Whoa. is is pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty so amazing. Story. The only thing scarier than uh, the dollar hot dog night at the Chiefs game was that dollar hot dog night sometimes coincided with two dollar beer night, and it wasn't just like Bud Light, Miller Light. You you for two dollars you could get endless cups 
of like Saranac IPA, like 7% ABV and just $2 keep pounding these little cups of, of Saranac. That was a, not to mention if you just go into uh, the parking lot at the Syracuse baseball stadium, there's just like people passing out promotional tickets left. And like, you never have to pay to go. You just show up and someone will walk by and say, you guys got tickets? And you say no. And they hand you a stack of tickets. I've got news. I found a great way to get free basketball tickets at Syracuse. I used to go up between Christmas and New Year's with my dad uh, when I was in law school. We'd be off between Christmas and New Year's, obviously, and we would go up to a game between Christmas and New Year's, and we would always go to Tully's, and we would sit roughly in the same place, and somebody would always come up like three, two to three years in a row, and they'd say, hey, are you going to the basketball game? We're like, yeah. Do you have tickets yet? No. Here you go. Wow. And we would get free tickets to Syracuse basketball. And that guy was Jim Beheim. <laughs> no, no, it was usually a promotional thing for one of the local like gas stations or something, but it was great. So if in case you're ever looking for free tickets up there, go sit at Tully's near the bar. Uh, and you, you know, like two hours, three hours before tip, and you might get lucky. Even if you're not going to the game, just go sit at Tully's. Just on just random I mean, days, just go sit at Tully's for a few hours and see what happens. You, you, can't you, you won't be disappointed, I promise. <laughs> it's true. Well, I think that's all we're going to have for this week. We hope you finally enjoyed our baseball talk, and it, we had a lot of good <laughs> things to talk about between – Bayheim's army and our Syracuse athletes and all the good things that they're doing around the world. So I'm sorry, uh, Matt. I thought you were going to say, I hope you finally enjoyed an episode. <laughs> <laughs> I trust, I trust that people are tuning in because they've enjoyed it. I hope you finally enjoyed this. I know <laughs> I, I didn't. I enjoyed. I've hated every minute of this. Uh, oh man. I'm sorry. Now, man. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, so, look, if you got the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, you should let us know you got it. And uh, tweet at us at 3ILPod. Comment on our Facebook, 3D It's in a Lawyer. Make sure to like that Facebook page. We're posting some things on that. Um, our Twitter is getting more active, so uh, we definitely want you to – to engage with us and tell us what your thoughts are on different things. And, you know, we're, we're a month from now, guys, it's football season. We are less than 30 days from Syracuse football. I so said it last they, week. I'll say it again. I'm ready to be hurt again. Yeah, me too. So me too. we all are, but look, so if you got that 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know. We just want to know it's safe. Uh, and uh, make sure to follow us on all those social media channels. For Colin Lerner, Joe Shell, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next time.